come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Those are the words of that Samaritan woman who had just met Jesus. We don't know her name. Apart from this conversation, we know nothing about what happens later on in her life. We don't really know much about her at all, but recorded in the Bible for us is this quite incredible testimony. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She's just filled to overflowing with the joy of meeting Jesus. So she runs into the town and she runs her mouth off about this guy. Jesus, come and see him. Meet him for yourself. It's John chapter 4 verse 29 and it's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. In fact, this whole story, actually this story would be my favourite story in the whole Bible. I love it. But it's hard to pick a particular verse. Anyway, the reason why it's one of my favourites, thanks for asking, is because it takes us to the very centre of the good news about Jesus. And it is a brilliant model for us of evangelism. It tells us what the good news of the gospel is and it tells us how we can share the good news of the gospel. It takes us to the heart of the gospel and the heart of evangelism. And we're going to be thinking about those two things today. And maybe we might find ourselves, by the end of our time together, welling up with such joyful proclamation about Jesus that we'd make her words our words. Come see this man, Jesus. So firstly, John chapter 4, verse 29, it takes us to the heart of the gospel. If you want to know why the good news of Jesus is such good news, here it is. Are you ready? Jesus knows everything about us and he loves us still. Let's unpack that a little more. Remember what the woman says. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I don't know about you, that prospect is terrifying. To be seen so completely by another person. I would be running away, not in joy, but in absolute fear. Imagine someone who could tell you what you had for breakfast on February 12, 2018. It's a bit creepy. Imagine someone who could tell you that song you like, but are too embarrassed to admit to everyone else around you. Imagine if they could tell you that bad hygiene habit that you've developed. That'd be, that'd be bad. But imagine as well if they could tell you about that time that you stole money from your mum's purse to steal books from the book fair. That was me, actually. Or they could tell you about that time you were really mean to someone at school for about six months because it just made you fit in with everyone else and you weren't left on the outside. Or imagine if they could tell you about that person at work that you don't speak to because they're just a bit awkward and you'd rather not deal with it. Or they could tell you about those things that you look at on the computer late at night when no one else knows what you're looking at. They could tell you about the times that you flare up in anger when you don't get your way. They could tell you about those times that you fail to love and serve other people, even though you know exactly what the right thing to do is. You know those times? Wouldn't it be good if I went and said hello to that person? And then you just move on with something else. Imagine someone who could tell you about all the selfish and silly and sinful things that you have ever said and done and thought. It's pretty scary, right? And that's what this woman experiences from Jesus. Halfway through their conversation about living water and eternal life, Jesus brings up the woman's relationship status 
He says, bring your husband along and come back to the well. The woman replies that she has no husband and what Jesus said next must have just given her heart that sinking feeling. You're right when you say you have no husband, Jesus said. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not even your husband. What you have said is quite true. Imagine her jaw would hit the floor, right? To have had five husbands and to be living with a sixth man when they weren't married, that would have been such a shameful thing in that time. Given that time, it's very likely that she would have been sinned against by some of those men, left, abandoned, forsaken, left alone. Uh, It's probably true that she too had sinned herself in those relationships. That's why she's out at the well all by herself. She's alone at the hottest part of the day. She doesn't go with the other women. She's an outsider. Other people would have known about this woman's life and they'd rejected her. They wanted nothing to do with her. And you can imagine her thinking, well, what about this guy? What's he going to think of me now? He knows the truth about me. Is this offer of living water still on the table? Is he going to reject me too? No. Jesus doesn't reject her. Jesus loves her. He sees her completely but loves her fully. And John wants us to know that this really is a love story. And he shows us this a couple of ways. Firstly, the whole conversation takes place at a well. And this is where the great love stories of the Old Testament often took place. Like a well is like the dating app of the... Old Testament. So Isaac met Rebecca at a well, Jacob met Rachel at a well, Moses met his wife Zipporah at a well, and here's Jesus and a woman at the well. Love is in the air. And remember what they're talking about. They're talking about her relationships with men, six men. The whole conversation is charged with a kind of sexual tension. That's why the disciples get back from the shops and they're a bit awkward and surprised. Jesus and the woman, they're too embarrassed to say anything about it. And so here comes Jesus. He is the seventh man in the woman's life. And even those numbers tell us something of the story. Because seven is a special number in John's gospel. You might know that there are seven signs performed by Jesus. There are seven sayings where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the gate. Seven is the number of completion and perfection and wholeness and fullness. And here is Jesus offering those things to this woman. It's not the romantic intimacy that we might be expecting. It's the far greater intimacy that comes from knowing God and worshipping him in spirit and in truth. And so despite her messy past, Jesus loves this woman by offering her that living water, that truly satisfying, thirst-quenching water of full life with God, forgiveness and grace poured out for all of her sin. And Jesus loves her by revealing to her who he is. He says, I am the Messiah, I am the one you're waiting for. Before anyone else in John's gospel, this outsider, this woman all alone is the one who finds out first who Jesus really is. Jesus doesn't reject her. He doesn't turn her away. He doesn't even scold her for her sin. 
But Jesus also doesn't turn a blind eye to her sin. He doesn't ignore the reality of her past and present. Jesus brings it out into the open. He looks at all her sin and shame and guilt fully in the face. And seeing clearly and completely everything she'd ever done, he loves her still. And unlike the other men in this woman's life, Jesus will not use her or abuse her. He will never leave her or forsake her. He will never let her down. He will never let her go. He will love her till the end. Jesus is the seventh man who in himself brings completion and perfection and wholeness and fullness to this woman and to everyone who comes and puts their trust in him. That's the, that's the heart of the gospel. Jesus doesn't come to give prizes to the spiritually successful. He doesn't come to give moral lessons to the spiritually motivated. He doesn't come to give pep talks to the spiritually complacent. Jesus comes to bring living water to the spiritually thirsty. He comes to fill up those who know they are empty. He comes to pour out his love on sinners and sufferers. That's the good news for the Samaritan woman at the well. It's the good news for you and me too. I hope you know that. And if you don't know that, if you think that the love of Jesus is dependent upon your own striving or making yourself good enough for him, then know this. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus sees everything about you, the good, the bad, and the very ugly. And he loves you still. And all you need to do is come to him and receive his love. He sees us completely. He loves us fully. And so is it any wonder that the woman is so excited? (laughs) Instead of running away in fear, she runs away filled with joy. She's just been filled up by the love of Jesus and she can't help but overflow to the people around her. Come and see. This man who told me everything I ever did, could he be the Messiah? And that right there is what evangelism is all about. Evangelism, you know that word? It's like sharing the gospel. Did you know evangelism is not about selling a product? It's not a sales pitch. It's introducing people to the person of Jesus. Evangelism is not about philosophical debate. It's about introducing people to the person of Jesus. Evangelism is not about winning arguments. It's not about knowing the answers to all of the really hard questions. It is fundamentally about introducing people to the person of Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, when we know his love, we will be compelled then to run into our schools and into our workplaces and onto our street with our neighbours, amongst friends and family, telling them, come and see this man, Jesus, who has completely transformed my life, so that they would have the opportunity to meet him too. The heart of evangelism is being so excited about knowing the love of Jesus that you just want everyone else to know it as well. And so evangelism is the overflow of a heart that has been filled up with the good news of the gospel. Now, I want to tell you about a book that I read just after Christmas. It's called Everything Sad is Untrue 
by Daniel Nairi. It's written mainly for like 13 to 17-year-olds, but I think that everyone should read it. It was really, really good. And it tells the story of Daniel's life um, growing up as a refugee in Oklahoma. And it's told from the perspective of his 11-year-old self. And the reason why Daniel was a refugee is that he and his family were forced to flee their home in Iran when his mum met Jesus and became a Christian. Actually, it's not just that she met Jesus, it's that she wouldn't stop telling other people that they needed to meet Jesus as well. She risked her life, she left her job, she gave up her wealth and her respect in the community and she was forced to move to the other side of the world because she knew that Jesus was better than money and safety and the opinion of others and even her very life. And there's one scene where Daniel's dad is trying to convince his mum to stop telling people about Jesus. Just be quiet and everything will stay the same. But she refuses to be silent. She refuses to keep her faith a secret. And Daniel remarks at this point, my mum had the enthusiasm of somebody who just played Chrono Trigger for the first time and has to tell everybody about it. Do you know what Chrono Trigger is, Carol? It's a game, yeah, that's right. It was in the 90s on the Nintendo or something, apparently. You can imagine that, right? That, that enthusiasm. And it's something that just we knew naturally all the time. When we see a great movie and then we go and have dinner with our family, what do we say? You should go and see this movie. It's really good. When we play a new video game, something maybe more recent than Chrono Trigger, something that more than Carol is. Carol, you're the only person that's got that the whole day. so good. Um, you invite your friends to join you on the, on the Minecraft server or something, that they can play with you. When you eat at an, ama- at an amazing restaurant, you say, you've got to go here, the food was just so good. And when you read a really good book, you say, you just have to read it, exactly like I'm doing now. See how many layers there are to this illustration? And seriously, you should read it. It is, it is an excellent book. And I hope you can see the point I'm making. It's exactly the same with Jesus and the gospel. True and effective evangelism won't happen just by people like me giving you a pep talk. Go out and do it. It won't just happen by running courses to train you in answering people's questions. It won't just happen by teaching you a six-step outline of the gospel that you can draw on a piece of paper to explain the good news to someone. Those things are helpful and they have their place, but they are not the heart of the matter. True evangelism will happen as we spend time with Jesus and become so enthusiastic about him that we can't help but tell other people, come and see and meet Jesus for yourself. He's just that good. And so if you want this year to be a year when you take big and bold steps to share the good news with the people around you, And I think that's something that we want, right? Like we we want to share the gospel with people. If you want to take steps forward in evangelism, then the first thing you need to do is spend time with Jesus and revel in his love for you. Listen to him speak to you in the Bible. Be reminded of the glory of his promises and his faithfulness and every spiritual blessing that we have in him. And then talk with him in prayer. Open up your life to him. 
confess your sin to him and receive his full and free forgiveness. Marvel again and again at the fact that he sees everything about you and loves you still. Fill yourself up with the good news of his grace. And then ask for his help to simply overflow to share naturally with others your love for him. I think actually the most helpful thing in my own efforts to get better at evangelism is just this one line. It goes like this. One thing I love about Jesus is... Then finish the sentence. This woman would say, one thing I love about Jesus is he knows everything I've ever done and he still loves me. Could be. One thing I love about Jesus is that He's never broken a single promise that he's ever made. He's just so faithful. One thing I love about Jesus is that I don't have to earn his love. He gives it freely as a gift. How would you finish that sentence? And then how could you just share that with people? Maybe someone could be talking about how they feel like they're constantly having to measure up to some standard of goodness and perfection to be praised and accepted by people around them. And you can say, well, that's what I love about following Jesus is that he just gives his love so freely and it's not about my efforts to impress him and please him. And then as you share your love for Jesus, could you invite people to come and see? Invite them to come to church. Here's a suspicion that I have. I think we are sometimes a little bit worried that our church is a bit weird. You know, coming to church is a bit odd. And what if my friend comes and and it's just a bit awkward Or something happens that's not very smooth and impressive. Brothers and sisters, at our church, we have Jesus. And that's all we have. (laughs) But who wants more than that? And we can offer him. So bring people to church. Say, come and see. At our church, you can meet Jesus there. Invite friends to come to kids' church with you. Say, come and see. I love learning about Jesus at church on Sundays. Invite people to youth groups. Say, come to Alive, come and see, we love Jesus here at Alive. Evangelism is not meant to be something which sucks us dry. It's meant to be something which overflows from us because we're so full of joy in knowing Jesus. And that's what Jesus says to the woman in verse 14. Jesus says that the living water he gives will become a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. That's what Jesus does. He pours his love into our hearts and it fills us up, not just so that we would have eternal life, but that through us, others would know eternal life. I think that's so cool. And it's actually what happens at the end of that story that we just read. The woman is a spring of water that wells up to the eternal life of many others in her city. They hear what she says, they meet Jesus for themselves, they believe and they receive life in his name. That's because her words take us to the very heart of the gospel, that Jesus knows us completely and loves us fully. That's such a wonderful picture of evangelism, that we would introduce people to Jesus, that they too would come to know that he is the saviour of the world. And so these are words which we can all take on our own lips and make our own. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us, that you know us completely and love us so deeply. And please, would you fill us up so that we would overflow with your love in all that we say and do, that others can meet you and know this love too. Amen.